0: And I remember finishing that session and it took us like four hours to get through one encounter. Um, actually DD is still the same. Um, uh, it took us <laughs> like four hours to get through that one encounter. And I remember finishing it at 11 and, and walking away going, I'm not sure what just happened, but I want to do this. And I want to do this a lot and a lot more. 200 episodes. Welcome to an Ask Me Anything episode. I asked two of my friends to collect questions from our patrons on Patreon. Now, you, you the listener, are why the podcast has made it this far. Thank you for listening, for sharing, promoting, and sending me all of the kind words. There are many more episodes to come, and they'll have far less of me and a lot more of interesting designers and creators in the tabletop industry. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy listening to me, on the other side of the microphone. Enjoy. You four enter the dark maze of destiny that I spent three months creating. It's full of dangers, puzzles, and subplots. This will take us several sessions, but I promise it'll be worth it. What do you do? Oh, you, you cast teleport. You rolled a natural 20. Um, Yeah, you all reach the final treasure room. Let me tell you what you find.
1: I'm Allison Arth, and when I'm not busy disagreeing with Craig Shipman about his feelings on Billy Joel's songwriting capabilities, I'm listening to Tabletop Talk.
2: All right, Floorheads, welcome to the 200th episode celebration of Tabletop Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, I mean, Tabletop Talk could have gone into syndication like uh, what a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> did you, did you think it would be so leggy? I did not.
1: <laughs> oh, Well, I mean, it's a, it's an impressive run to be sure. And, uh, the topics have certainly changed a little bit over the years, but I mean, I think we've seen that you have uh, a gift for, for getting people to spill their guts, uh, in an audio format and it's, it's been working real well. So uh, I'm I'm happy to have the opportunity to uh, help you talk about yourself for a change. Um, so I guess we'll just get started. Uh, well, actually, if uh, it's okay, organize- I'd, I'd love for the two of you to introduce yourselves. Oh, well, no one's here to listen to us, but uh, yeah, my name's uh, Brian Shoner. Those of you who follow the stream may know me as Sten in Forbidden Lands. I've also GM'd once or twice for this channel. Um, been following Greg since his Malifaux days and uh, just a big fan.
2: Hi, I'm Connell, Koda uh, Mojo on most of the media. Uh been with Craig uh, Third Floor Wars now for, what is it, two years? Easily, yeah. year and a half. Uh, and I uh, just love the support of the community, and Craig has been so very generous, um, but you didn't tune in to hear, you know, Brian and I, so let us put
1: Craig on the hot seat. Indeed. Uh, so this first question comes from uh, Jesse Miller. Oh, no. And these are all the yeah. ones that were submitted from the uh, Third Floor Wars Discord. Oh, contain your enthusiasm, Craig. <laughs> uh, let's go back. There was a time when you didn't know you could sit down with a microphone and ask people questions. Uh, he's, he's basically wanting the third floor wars version of the origin story of how you got into podcasting and stuff. Uh, and also has some questions about where that style came from. Yeah.
0: Um, so, third floor wars started. Uh, it was actually uh, me and Ray, a uh, good, good, good buddy of mine, Ray. Uh, he is a local here in North Carolina. Uh, great guy. Um, uh, he and I met through mini gaming through Malifaux and um he and i were you know shooting the one day and i was telling him how like i had this weird vision or thought of how uh you could do um like not actual plays but um battle reports right so where you see two people playing miniature games And I told him how frustrating it was for me because, like, I want to watch battle reports, but they're all terrible or most of them were terrible. And I just had this (laughs) idea, like I had some thoughts about how it could be done and specifically for Malifaux, because you had cars instead of dice and so on and so forth. And it turned out Ray had a background in TV production. So I said, screw it. Let's um, let's uh, set up a little studio on on the third floor of my house and let's uh, let's give it a try and see if these ideas work um and we started doing that so it started off as a youtube channel and um i'm still proud of those battle reports i still think that they're they're good battle reports there was things that we did that nobody else was doing which you're starting to see other people do now which makes me happy mm-hmm. um you know talking more about not, instead of just watching two people play but like the pregame interviews and the midgame interviews and 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 understanding why did you make this move and what was your thought behind this list and stuff like that um, So he and I did that for a while. That was a huge pain in the ass. Um, But through that, I was also doing on the YouTube channel. I was interviewing people that were like winning tournaments and stuff like that. Um, And then I had, uh, and I don't remember, I wish I remembered who it was, so, but said, hey, you know, w- love, love the interviews. Can you put it out as a podcast? I'm like, oh. And then I you know I said, you know, screw it. I, I stripped the audio from from the interviews that I was doing on the YouTube channel, and it was relatively easy for me to spin up a podcast, and I just started dumping uh, these master deep dives and these uh, things onto um, onto a podcast. And then, um Ray had to step away, unfortunately, and it kind of kind of became a one-man show. um and fast forward to the pandemic um during the pandemic. I did not play many games. Um, and so I went a good three, four months of doing no gaming. Cause I also uh, love board games and stuff like that, but just none of that was happening. And I had remembered how much I loved playing role-playing games in high school and college. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go buy the latest version of GURPS, which was the last game I had played <laughs> way back when. <laughs> and um, I'm going to, you know, I want to, do that again, you know, and started seeing actual plays on YouTube and stuff like that. And I'm like, screw it. I want to play these again. So got GURPS quickly remembered why I stopped playing GURPS. Um, <laughs> and then ended up picking up fantasy flights, star Wars, because I used to love the West end star Wars. And that was my first taste of like, Holy shit. Like a lot has happened in the last 20, 25 years <laughs> since I stopped playing role-playing games. Um, and, you know, in the greater context, that is not that innovative of a game, but it was drastically different than what I had played before. So that led me down a rabbit hole. Um, eventually started doing APs on the channel, and then my my interviews kind of migrated over to RPGs and then became I kind of figured out my groove, which is I found that when I was interviewing people, what I really wanted to know was the process. Like, you know, who not what you make, but who you are and how, how does who you are show up in your games and how do you go from ideas, which every schmo has, into developing those and and making them. And, and you know, and over the past two years or so of doing those types of interviews, I've really enjoyed that. Um, it's allowed me to meet some really wonderful people. The community around RPGs and just designers in general is amazing. Um, I've made a lot of really friends with people that I never anticipated to become friends um, but as far as interview style um that's I guess over time uh, I just kind of found my comfort level um, and you know you Brian and you and I have talked off mic uh, more than Connell and I have but you know people tell me friends that have known me for a long time like that's that's how you talk when you're talking like at the, at the campsite <laughs> Um, and you know, it's always, I always want to hear you. I want to hear you talk. I want to, I want to ask you questions. and that's how, I guess how it's always been. And it just translates well. Um, but I consider, I consider it when I'm editing a podcast, I can see the waveforms and the less waveforms of me. And the more I see of my guests, the happier I am, but I've learned over time, like certain questions work, uh, and get what I want. And one of the other things that I've picked up that I think um, I've leaned into hard is getting people to tell stories. And if you can get them to tell stories, that is far more interesting content and it it answers the question. Whereas if you listen to a lot of interviews, it's question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, which what I try to do is I try to start a story and spur a story. And then the second piece is, is something that's annoyed me since the beginning of time, which is listening to an interview, especially if you like listen to cable news, uh, someone will ask a question and then the person will answer, and there's something super interesting in their answer. And all they do is ask the next question. I'm like, Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that, did you hear what he just said? Like, why, why are you not following up on this? Like, this is incredible. So, I mean, one of the biggest things is, <clears throat> is listening. Um, so, I don't know if that answers that or not.
1: I don't know. I wasn't listening. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like there is a quick question in the chat which edition of GURPS?
0: Well, I, when I stopped, I think it was at third edition. I want to say, and then honestly, I don't remember with the one I bought two years ago. Was, I think that's sixth edition now that they're on. And, and I made a bit of a joke about, it. I mean, GURPS is GURPS, right? And there's, there's a lot of games that would never have existed if it wasn't for GURPS. And True. there's a lot of people that made a living because of GURPS. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it shows its age now. Um uh, though I've uh had conversations with a few few people about it, you know, the one thing that is nice about gurps is it can be as much or as little as you want. Um, that's something I've always given credit to Steve Jackson for because, you know, if you want to get super crunchy and tactical and everything with GURPS, it's all there. But if you just want to keep it light and roll three dice, you can do that too. So well, that was uh, Jesse's was a great question to start
2: with. And I think uh Masukomi's is a great follow-up because he asks. While interviewing Steve Jackson, uh, seemed like you were getting the chance to meet a hero from back in the day. You were so excited to have that interview scheduled, but then you recorded it and he was, I don't want to talk about GURPS. <laughs> and for a while there were comments about working on it and then those stopped and we never heard uh, any more about the interview. So there's obviously a, a story there. Uh, so the Munchkin Maestro himself, you want to spill the tea? Yeah. So
0: somehow Steve Jackson got pictures that i don't want released and uh no Um, (laughs) no it was so yeah the steve jackson thing is really really interesting um one i couldn't believe he came on the show um it it, i mean i'm now able to book bigger names than i ever have before but hell you know this guy has been doing it forever and for him to say yes was just blew me away um he was um I couldn't tell if this is who Steve is or if I caught him on the wrong day, um, but he was ca- kind of grumpy. Um, and, you know, after I'd tried to get him to talk about Gerps two or three times, he just said, Craig, I don't want to talk about GURPS, which kind of threw me for a loop, but we ended up getting through it. It was about a two hour interview, which again, he's just so nice to have made the time for. Um, and I got off the interview and I t- you know said to my wife, I said, you know, I'm kind of bummed out. Um, And because I didn't know what I was expecting, but that's not what happened. Um, and it wasn't like, he wasn't rude or anything like that. It just, I couldn't, I couldn't crack the nut. I couldn't get him to talk about things the way that I like to talk designers about things. And that's on me, right? I'm the interviewer. And I just couldn't, couldn't navigate through that. Um, so I sat on it for a little while and finally, I was like, you know, I, I've got to put this out. Um, and I have found through experience, I've had probably of all the hundreds of interviews I've done. There's five interviews that I got off with and I went, oh, that was a, just bad. That was bad. Um, and then I go back and edit it. and I'm going, actually, this is pretty good. <laughs> you know, and and like the vibe, like I had one interview with somebody. I won't mention who it was, where I went downstairs. And I said, you know, to my wife, I said, uh, like, this guy was an asshole. And and I think that I'm not going to be able to release this episode because he's an asshole. And I go back and listen to it. No idea where I came up with that, because if you listen to the episode, there's no indication whatsoever. There's no indication there's a little bit of conflict between this person and I. We kind of brushed up against each other a little bit. Uh, Does not come across at all in the interview whatsoever. So I don't know. Again, that could be just me and being in my head. Um, So I was like, all right, let's pull let's pull Steve's in. And the audio is garbage. Like Mm -hmm. and I have tried to massage it. I've tried to work it. Um uh just recently, uh Sean over gaming formerly of gaming and BS, who is a wizard with audio, he said, Hey, Craig, what's the deal with Steve Jackson? Similar question. And I told him, and he goes, If you want to shoot it over to me, I'll give a I'll give a crack at it. And he has saved, I think, two episodes of mine now where I could not fix the audio and he did. Um so and I still haven't done that, Sean. I'll get that over to you. Um, and if you can resurrect that interview, I'd love it because I have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to listen to it. And it's much better than I remembered it.
2: How early on in the uh, tabletop talk
0: was that? Uh, relatively early. Um, so I consider really my first, really the first interview I did that kind of fits this style, I think it was Dennis Datwiller um if you go back and look as far as me talking to rpg community and things like that i think dennis was was one of the first and then john harper was soon after that um and it couldn't have been couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 episodes after that very cool
1: um the next question we have is from control group uh who asks what are your long-term goals slash hopes for third four wars as a podcast as a game streamer as a brand
0: So no dreams as a brand I I, and I'd be lying if I said I've not pulled out an envelope and done some math. Right. Um, You know, this is this is what I make in in my job. And, you know, what would I need to make to this for this to be full time? And it's never going to happen. Um, I, I'm, 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 so we're not getting a third floor Wars energy drink, is no, <laughs> no, but, um, now, you know, I'm also, you know, turning 51 in June. So if this thing lasts long enough, you know, I think it'd be a fun thing to have a, a, as a retiree, um, to be able sure. to focus even more on this. Cause the only thing, you know, I wish I could run more games. Um, uh, you know, I wish I had more time to put out more episodes and, to find the time and there's going to be you know in the next 15 years I'll ha- I'll have that opportunity if this is still what's around uh but so goals the goals of the podcast I think in my head I'd like to be kind of the definitive source if you want to learn how games are made so what I would love to be in and and I'm hearing that a lot of designers share share and recommend me to each other, um, that, that I've got a bit of a name within the design community, which I consider a huge compliment. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, I I hope that more and more people listen. I mean, we almost doubled in size last year, which, which was pretty awesome. Um, but I, you know, I just want to keep doing it. I, I really enjoy it. And my wife makes fun of me. She's like, you like, you just like talk to people about games. I'm like, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And I've got i mean the the list I've got a one note of target list, and it's I've got to have fifty people on it. so fifty people that I think I could get. um, and I'm just nice. now having new avenues open up to me uh, cause so now I've got people reaching out to me, which is exciting. That's how Rander Knizia was was a reach out, which was a huge compliment. um oh wow, but another thing that I have my eyes on. And I've got fingers out there and I'm working on this. But one of the things that I would like to add to my repertoire as far as people to interview is there is a huge underground community of entertainers who play these games. Um, Now, some of them we know because we see them on stream, you know, streams and stuff like that. But that's a fraction of the I'm learning more and more about these people that are in TVs and movies and writers and stuff that on a regular basis regular are now playing this game and i really would love to talk to some of them uh because i think it's very interesting somebody who is a professional performer who is an entertainer by trade what is what does rpgs mean to them right so how does their trade come to the table and what i really want to learn is has anything come from the table to their trade um and kind of back and forth so keep your eyes open i've got i've got a couple things coming um and yeah i think you'll start to see me weasel into that circuit a little bit we'll see what happens but you know there's there's a lot of a lot of people that um i would love to talk to on the show uh about stuff like that um as far as streaming brian just the, i think one of the things that i love the most about the uh the actual plays is um i think that we have found a groove in the kind of games that like how we play the games one of the biggest compliments we get is you know it's nice to see people actually play you know still entertaining but like you're not you're you're not just improvising you're actually playing the game you know um and i and i love the fact that i've there's so many times people talk about getting cragged right like i saw you play this game and i bought it and there's just so many freaking good games out there the idea that i am helping people find these great games makes me happy
2: uh wookie gunner asks what needs to happen i love these way this follows up the order of these these questions (laughs) what what needs to happen for you to consider the podcast uh as making it
0: uh so first off donald has been a long time listener and friend of mine Uh, so donald i appreciate the question um i'd be lying if i told you i didn't look at the numbers uh cuz i do uh and part of it is because i'm a numbers person i make a living with numbers and it's hard for me you're like all, all you have to do is like draw a chart and you're going to suck me into something right i'm going to like ooh a chart <laughs> <laughs> you know and and stuff like that so I, I look at the numbers and and of course obviously i like having more people listen now than did before and things like that um oh, I consider making it i'd love to win an any uh, i submitted this year um, so that'd be kind of cool. Um, but um, it just keep growing. I, I honestly, um, and I think it even I, I think even if it stopped growing, I would keep doing it. Um, and and it's the other thing that's impossible to know is that in the same way the podcast went from a miniature malifaux focused show and and everything to now definitely RPG focused the hell knows where my interests will drift you know at some point I might get tired rpgs and start getting into something else and that'll either be the end of third floor wars or it'll be about fixing cars i don't know um it's it, inevitably the content will follow me so uh so uh to answer your question donald wookie gunner i don't really know uh what i can cons- say right now i consider making it i consider making it that i get open up my emails and i have people reaching out to me asking me if i'd feature their game or if i you know and, he, and the other thing that's neat too is that i've had People reach out and go, hey, Craig, I'm working on this. Would you take a look at it? And for anybody to make the huge mistake to think I know anything about games is a, is a compliment, right? Like, dude, I don't know. You don't, you don't want my opinion. Uh, I'm just an idiot. But, um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. I like being part of the community. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Being being considered part of the the greater ecosystem. Maybe that's it.
1: Um, we have, uh, we have a series from Nick Louie that are all kind of linked and, and I think they can all be short answers. I mean, this is your show. You can take as long okay. as you want, but, um, basically when reflecting on the interviews you've done, uh, which of them to you was, uh, the most surprising, the most
0: surprising. God, there's so many ways to define that. Isn't there, um, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Um,
1: Nobody just really blew you away with with you know their approach to things or something you you weren't expecting to. Uh, I think to have happened.
0: I, so I I think the most surprising thing I, I'm going to completely rewrite the question because I'm a jerk. I think the thing that surprises me the most, and it's something that is becoming more and more part of my process in interviewing. I am surprised how important and significant the origin story is for these creators. It started off as a uh, kind of the throwaway obligatory question, but if you listen more, you'll hear me bring the origin story back after one or two breaks. And and I think it's because I'm getting better at finding that connective tissue. Um, I am learning that, The secret for a lot of these designers, and this did surprise me, is is who they are. More than even so, their kind of creative process. Um, So I think that that's why I end up spending so much time on that and spending so much time trying to understand them uh, as much as understand their games. I think that I think if you go back and like listen to my Dennis Detwiller interview or some of my earlier interviews, I don't focus on that as much. But more and more, I think you're probably going to hear me really try to uh, understand them as much as because I think that allows me to understand their games and understand their process. So I think that's that's what's been most surprising after doing several interviews, which is not what was asked. (laughs) That's fair enough. Uh, Who was the hardest to schedule? (laughs) Hardest to schedule (laughs) me um (laughs) yeah i I, um i by far reschedule more than i'm rescheduled against um i you know i i have certain for the sake of my marriage Um. and being a father i've only got certain amount of hours per week that i'm willing to put into this and sometimes you know and i book so far in advance um because i can't say no when people say yeah well come on i'm like let's get in the calendar um so I am I'm, I'm a pain in the ass and the guests have been so great about letting me reschedule here and there. Um everybody's been awesome. Like you know, even um even some of the quote-unquote bigger names I've had on have just been really really kind and very forgiving. So I've not had I it's harder with uh it's relatively easy for the podcast. It's harder for the stream. Um you get five people and try and trying to get five people to To come on on a regular basis. And that's, that's a challenge. Um, so I, it definitely, the actual plays are harder
1: to schedule than, than guests for the podcast. Very true. Uh, who was the most fun?
0: I love talking I guess, to you. Who J-
1: did you have the most fun with? I <laughs>
0: love shooting the shit with John Harper. Um, you know, John and I have, you know, had three interviews now, one on the uh, YouTube channel, two on, on the podcast. He and I've had several conversations off mic um, I just like how John thinks. Um, and he's just a a really good human being. Um, he's been very kind. Um, with me and spending time with me, and just um, you know, one of the people that I consider a friend. Uh, uh through all of this, and you know, learning that. Um, who else have I had a lot of fun with? There's a lot of uh, <sighs> you know the one and this will come out. This will come out probably before this episode, so you should be able to have already heard this. I had a lot of fun um interviewing the uh the two women behind thin places radio um it's a podcast that i came across and fell in love with um and uh i had the two of them on and they were just a, a delight and you want to talk and 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 what makes things fun for me is is the enthusiasm yeah two other people I, I've got to mention, too, that are just fun as hell, and that I'll, I would literally have a podcast dedicated to them as the Drakes, uh, both Navi and Sean um, are just a pleasure to be around, and a pleasure to talk to, and again, a combination of people that are brilliant at what they do, are super just like good human beings, and just like fun people, um,
1: so I think that's my answer there. Very cool. Uh, Who's the one that got away? Or has gotten (laughs) away so far? (laughs) Okay. No, you got him. You just won't let him loose. (laughs) Um, So far, nobody
0: has gotten away. Um, That's not true. That's not true. Um, This is where the magic of editing will come in. Hold on. Uh, (laughs) Make yourself some notes. Actor on Star Trek Discovery. Anthony Rapp from Rent. So I got into a conversation and DMs with Anthony um cuz I found out he was going to be on an AP and I just shot him a note and said hey like cuz my thing with discovery is it's one of the best casts I've seen in Star Trek as far as quality of actors um some of the best character sets I've seen in Star Trek like a, just a beautiful character set uh, of archetypes and and different types of I it's just I don't think the writing's very good so it's not my favorite Star Trek show but, but Anthony in that show was just amazing. So he and I have got back and forth, he's like, Craig, I'd love to come on, you know, and I got super excited about that. Um, Cause that's part of what I've been talking about, right? Is talking to somebody like Anthony um, and just, it hasn't happened and it likely won't, um, yeah, because uh, i'm not sure that dms and twitter are the way for me to book somebody like anthony um so we'll have to see but i'd love i'd love to get anthony on the show because again i appreciate him as an artist and his him dabbling with rpgs i think could be very interesting to talk about
1: yeah no doubt uh and the last part of this question is which one do you think is the most enduring what's that mean I don't know. That's that's the question I got, man. (laughs) What do you think it means? I'm not sure what what we mean by enduring. I mean, Um, which like if there was going to be one episode preserved in a time capsule of the third floor wars. And this is, you know, a uh, what is it? The Library of Congress culturally or artistically significant.
0: Um, you know what interview I think was just pound for pound, one of the most insightful, um, and then thus might be enduring. And also with one of the larger names I've ever interviewed is Jason Morningstar. Um, I thought my interview with Jason was, was, I learned a lot. Um, and again, another, an amazing combination of somebody who has single-handedly changed the landscape. Um, the, the bakers were amazing too. Um, McGay and, and, and him were awesome. But, um, yeah, I think probably right for right now probably my Jason Morningstar interview. Um just because it, the breadth of it, we talked about topics I'd never talked about before. He was incredibly kind and patient with me. Um and uh like you go back and listen to that and I there was stuff that I mean I interviewed him live and then was listening to the as I was editing. And I'm like the truth bombs that he drops for other designers, and that in that interview is 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 unbelievable. But that's what he's known for, Uh, within the within the design community. They're like, just show it to Jason, (laughs) and he's gonna like he's gonna blow your mind. Um, The guy's just really really good at what he does, and he's awesome. Nice. So Jesse asks a a second question.
2: Says, uh, "Well, walk us through the day to day work of making the podcast and the other media." who helps with that. And what can you tell us about your favorite off camera, off mic moment that didn't make it to the show?
0: (laughs) So the answer is, is that nobody helps me. Uh, it is truly is a one man show, which is fine because I've part of, part of the joy I find is in life is learning things. Um, so knew nothing about audio editing. And then because of the podcast, I taught myself audio editing and audio production and, have learned that, you know, quality, sound quality matters and, you know, things like that. Same thing with, you know, doing video and, um, you know, knew nothing about graphic design, but I've taught myself how to create my own overlays and, you know, logos and all that stuff. Um, and that's fun for me to say, Hey, I don't know how to do this, but in this day and age, if you don't know how to do something, that's a choice you've made because there's so many resources now. Um, there's no reason why you wouldn't know it.
2: And as a quick aside, you are amazing at that. Oh, that is what drew, that's what drew me in. That's that's why I'm on your oh, your 200th cool. episode. Is you do you did such an amazing standout job uh, for especially at the time. It was you know it was just something that uh, was so unique, identifiable uh, as a as a brand because oh, you, cool. you're just so good at that uh those those intros even from the uh I think after the after your first uh Star Wars shows it really started to to become apparent that you have an eye for sort of framing not just the the stories that you're telling but the the media itself with with your graphics with your overlay
0: um, oh, so absolutely. I think
2: that's a spectacular job that you absolutely. do
0: there. I, I knew I picked you. To, to, for <laughs> reasons. That's what, really, that means a lot to me, Connell. It really does because I'll, it's I'll, been a,
2: I'll give you my Venmo uh, number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead. And. I, um, it, uh, it was, it, it's been fun. I mean, I cheat on the intros because I, I buy templates off of, uh, other people. So uh, all, most of those intros that you see are one or two templates that I've purchased, and then I go in and and change them to make a mine and, and After Effects. So I don't make them from scratch. Um, but um, but it's also a lot of fun for me to go, OK, let's 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 I have an idea and then I go and find something close to it and then learn, you know, what do I need to learn about After Effects today in order to make the changes to make it mine, you know, and stuff like that. Um, Now, the one the one I'm super excited about that I am making from scratch right now is the one for Brindlewood Bay. Um, So what I've decided for Brindlewood Bay is I'm going to make essentially an homage to the Columbo Murder, She Wrote intro from the TV show. So I'm trying to mimic the music, I'm trying to mimic the look um, and the feel of that late 80s, early 90s, you know, serial mystery TV. And uh, I sent uh, the cast a mock-up of it uh, that I did with just a replacement um, video. And I said, this is what I'm thinking. And I said, here's what I need you to do. So... Each of them in, they're all buying costumes, which is awesome. (laughs) So they've all got old lady wigs and stuff like this, but I've got, I've got, I've asked each of them and I've already gotten some of the videos already and they're amazing of them reading a book in costume And like, like nobody's watching me. Right. And then they stop and look up and notice the camera and smile. And if you remember those TV shows, like you'll have them, they'll have the actor kind of doing their thing, like tending the garden. Then for no reason whatsoever, they look up at the camera and smile. Then it freezes and says starring Angela Lansbury. Right. And then it goes and it shows like a, a montage of the town and stuff like that. And then it'll show the other actor kind of doing whatever they're doing. And then they stop and for no reason, look up at the camera and smile. Then it freezes um, so I'm super excited about that one. Uh, making that from scratch, Sounds but um, great. I lost track of the original question. What did you ask me, Connell? I forgot. Uh, workflow. A uh, oh, workflow. So very quickly, um, doing what we do right now, which is I get onto uh Squadcast, which allows me to record each track separately. Uh, weeks before that, I put together a call sheet, which is something that I've had several people thank me for. And having now been guests on other podcasts, I realize it's rare. Um, and, you know, and in in my call sheets, the first half of the call sheets is this is what the show is about. This is the kind of show it is. Safety tools during the interview. Um, here's a list of all the equipment um, that we're going to use. Here's some recommendations like please have a good mic. Please wear headphones. Um, you know, all of that. Um, uh. And, and the, you know, then during the interview, you know, it, it we just have a very rough outline of here's the subjects we're going to cover and then we i just follow follow the interview um and then it takes me for every hour of recording it takes me about 3 hours to edit it um so every episode a 2 hour episode that you hear on the podcast is about 6 hours of editing um though i'm getting better and better at that uh, there's there's kind of tricks you can do and you start to bundle and learn how to reuse some things and, you know, you you could be get to be able, literally be able to create a better workflow for the uh, APs. It's, you know, first find the game, then find the cast. Um, and then I do the overlay next, um, which I do in Illustrator. And then I do the intro And the credits, which is a combination of uh, Adobe Premiere, Adobe After Effects and Illustrator uh, in some sort of combination. Um, And then GM prepping for each of those episodes. Um, I usually use something published as a starting off point and then we just kind of follow the game from there. My GM prep between sessions is getting less and less and less as I get better at this and get more comfortable not prepping. Um, and finding that I can produce a better product, uh, with, with less prep, uh, that more prep actually hurts the game, I think for me now. Um, so, uh, so for every, every episode, you're probably, you know, I'd say the overlay takes me a couple hours. The intro usually takes me five or six hours. Um, but game prep, I probably only prep like an hour for every episode.
2: it's like I always say, it's it's just jazz and you you very much. So Mm -hmm. that home several times. It's about, it's about listening and it's about reacting.
0: Yeah. Yep. And get, and getting better about it. Um, I'm also very blessed because (laughs) a lot of times I I have at least one, if not multiple players that are as, if not more familiar with the system as I am, because the one thing that is starting to happen to me is I'm getting mixed up (laughs) in the different systems I play. But, uh, that's why I keep Jim Ortiz on the uh on as many casts as I can.
1: <laughs> so the next uh next one we have is another one from uh Mr. Nick Louie, um, who says, in addition to the above, what does a typical day look like for you non-podcast as well? I don't know how much you want to talk about your personal life. But- uh
0: yeah, I'll keep some of it. Uh, but I'll be vague or not vague about it, but I'll keep it high level. Um, I am one of the luckiest human beings you'll ever meet. Um I have um a, a a very lucky childhood um I have been very blessed to have found a career that allows me a lot of freedom uh financially um and uh I have been able to find a good life work balance uh that i enforce um I am definitely the person who works to live not lives to work um And I, you know, I have always made it very clear professionally that um, I will deliver. um, But uh, I'm going to do it on my time and on my schedule. And I've always just been lucky to have found people to work for that are good with that. And they're obviously happy enough with what I do that they've kept me around. So typical nine to five um i I am an early riser so a lot of third floor wars happens at four and five a.m uh before the wife and kid get up Uh, that's where a lot of editing happens a lot of a lot of stuff happens then um I, i i am an early riser my daughter and my wife are not uh so i'm i'm pretty much in charge of mornings go down make coffee get uh cecilia's uh lunch packed up I'm in charge of uh, raising the dead and getting getting the household going. Uh, one of my favorite things in the world is I get to drive my kid to the bus stop, uh, which gives her and I a really nice thirty minutes together, uh, which I just cherish. Um, and then I work. Um, I try to stop work by five if I can. God willing, and I don't travel like I used to, <laughs> which is good because that's you know, that's when my daughter comes home um try to uh spend time as much time as i can with her and andrea as i can uh we now split cooking evenly it used to be i did all the cooking but andrea has become a phenomenal cook um so her and i split the cooking evenly and then um i try to keep interviews and pot and streams and stuff like that to no more than twice a week sometimes three times a week but um Uh, I, I've, I've been trying to keep that under control, uh, because, you know, that's an evening that I'm not sitting on the couch with my wife and hanging out. Um, her and I are both kind of homebodies. Um, and one of the things that her and I have been trying to do is get out more. Um, it's, I am very much an introvert, so it's not hard for me to go, uh, yeah, I haven't left the house in four days (laughs) and be perfectly content. So Um, But yeah, I would say the majority of the Third Floor War stuff happens early morning. um, And then obviously I do most of my recordings in the evenings and sometimes on weekends. But I'm I'm just, I'm super lucky that I have the ability to do any of it.
1: This is Sean. You may have
2: heard of me from such movies as Brett and Sean Go to Illinois, Two Motorcycles, One Stick of Dynamite. And, gaming and BS, what kind of RPG podcast is that? After my NFTs were stolen, I decided to become a patron of Third Floor Wars. The content is great, and it costs me less than a good shot of liquor. So consider becoming a patron. It may just land you your next big role. Head over to patreon.com forward slash thirdfloorwars. Tell Craig Sean sent you. All right. Well, no more Dr. Nice Guy. Uh he asks. <laughs> I, I I just hear Alice Cooper every time. Um, what was the most off-the-wall moment that's ever happened in an interview? And what about uh oh, in one of the live streams? off Some the Gonzo wall. moment.
0: Yeah. Um it never um there was, and I'm not gonna talk about who or where because I never made it to the podcast, but there was an emotional moment that I had during an interview with both me and the person I interviewed kind of figured something out together. Um, and it kind of kind of hit us both a little bit um, and got me emotional and in return got them emotional. Um, and that was from left field and completely unanticipated and, and was not, you know, not to be shared. Um, so that was probably the craziest moment for me interviewing it just because it was so unexpected um but also something that I kind of love about the podcast and how I do interviews is I just never know where we're gonna go and the I'm amazed at how comfortable my guests are with sharing stuff um and there has been Things that they've shared that afterwards they've thought about and they said, hey, Craig, uh, I, I don't know if I want that out there. And I'm like, OK, that's great. You know, I cut it out. But the fact that they even felt comfortable enough saying it in the first place, I, I take it as a huge compliment. Um, One of the craziest moments on the podcast is your fault, Brian, which was the big surprise at the end of our Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> so i i am the worst person to watch movies with because (laughs) i nine times 99 times out of 100 i see the twist coming right and uh, luckily, I'm married to somebody who wants to know the twist before the twist happens. Like she's like, "What do you? What, what's really going on?" And she'll she'll know when it happens, right? So we'll be 30 minutes before the end mm-hmm. of the movie. I'm like, "Oh, she'll hear me." She goes, "What is it? What? What, what did you figure?" I'm like, "Well, here's what I think is going to happen and stuff." I did not see that coming, Brian. And your execution of that was absolutely phenomenal. And you can go back and why I've watched it a few times. You see my face as you start to do the reveal and I figure out what the hell was going on. And then you can watch me rewinding the VCR in my
1: brain and going back and replaying the the
0: previous four sessions
1: um that's, my, that's my right one there. regret for that is that i wasn't i didn't have time to go back and cut together you know the sort of classic sixth sense flashback of when they said this and when they said this and when you did this but i love that adventure and i'm so glad i got to show well, it, it was so ex-
0: it was executed so well and and i say that in a very cocky way because normally that that I'll go,
1: okay, all right, let's
0: do this, Brian. I know where you're headed. I know where we're going. I had no clue, no clue. Awesome. And it was very fun to see it. So that's probably one of the most, the the craziest moments. Um, There's also been times where, like, I've just, I've had moments on on the streams, especially where I'm just, I'm having so much joy, like watching, watching things land and watching people get lost in their characters Um, things being said that like, I have to push the mic away. Otherwise I'll blow out the gain because I'm laughing so hard. Um, I, I, I've really have a lot of fun running and
1: playing these games. It shows. Um, so silent Pete would like to know without naming names, (laughs) has there ever been an interview where halfway through you thought, oh no, this person is an idiot and this recording is never going to see the light of day. Never an idiot. That's never happened.
0: That's not, well, that's, that's not true. There was an interview I did tonight around seven. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I've never, that's never happened. I've had, I've had a lot of surprises the other way though, where somebody who I may not have known a whole lot about their games, but I get them talking and I'm like, Holy shit. Like this person, like, is like, this is awesome. Like I, you know, I start uncovering things that I didn't know. So I've had many pleasant surprises, never an idiot. Um, I already talked about the one interview that I walked away from and I was just like, this guy's an asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've been super lucky, Brian. I've been super lucky. Um, You know, you know where I am at my luckiest though, is the cast on the actual place because it's always, it's not handpicked. There's a little bit of handpicking that happens now, but generally speaking, it's not handpicked. It's first come first serve from patrons. And it's I think it speaks to the quality of the Third Floor Wars community. Like, I, I, I have not had a bad cast member.
1: It's it's not luck, Craig. You have built a very strong community and uh, you, you got a lot of good people that get what you're putting down. And that makes me happy. It really shows in the quality of all the games. So feeling good, Lewis.
2: Um, Who let that guy on? <laughs> uh, So he has to assume that many people in your personal and work life have been exposed to your media empire. Oh, I, I think he, I don't know if he's talking about third floor wars or your only fans, but uh, one way or another, because he goes on to ask, you may not have thought uh, they would understand why you're so passionate about what you do. So who surprised you by getting it, uh, your motivation and your reward, I guess. Uh, and Why? Um, so, and first, conversely, who, who, who didn't get it?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so first off, uh, Lou is a, another person who, um, because of this is because I've been able to pick up just a really good friend. Um, he's, uh, he's a wonderful human being. He started coming to camping for gamers. That son of a bitch hops in a truck and drives down from New Jersey to spend a week playing games with us, uh, which is unbelievable, but great human being. But, um, yeah, so it's funny because, there was a time where I was closeted with work and what's interesting, I think, and it's, I think both happened at the same time. One is that I got older. And for those of you that have not gotten older yet, um, the older you get, the less you give a shit. And it's kind of a really neat, nice place to be. Um, the, the, uh, the older I get, the less I care <laughs> what people think. <laughs> um, but also I think uh, in combination to that, I've also, uh, have progressed in the company that I work for, right? I work for a, a consulting firm. And, um, as I've worked my way up, it's a little, I'm a little bit more secure, I guess. Um, uh, in having those conversations. Um, but it's also interesting because of, uh, from the client perspective, I'm now pretty much exclusively deal with C-suite people, right. Um, in fortune 100 companies and, um, what's I think the biggest surprise to answer Lou's question is, um, one, and it's usually it comes up because I talk about camping. Uh, so camping will come up and, 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 um, all my clients know like there's two weeks out of the year where Craig is not available. (laughs) And, um, and what's neat is that they, not only do they respect it, but people log me for it. Um, you know, my clients and, you know, the partners and stuff that I work for, um, do it and they get a kick out of my out of offices during those weeks, too. But um, invariably, when they find out about camping, it comes up that I play games and that turns into what kind of games do you play? Um, And I used to be super vague about it, you know, five, six years ago. And now I tell them, I say, you know, we play a we play a lot of stuff without screens. Uh, We play a bunch of board games and card games during the day. And then typically at night we play role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. And it's so funny about how things have changed because, you know, I'm talking to people that, um, you know, just got done with her Forbes interview and, and the, the, their person personal go, I keep hearing about that. Or, uh, or my son plays those, or my daughter plays those. And, and, and then they're super interested, uh, about it. Like, you know, you know, how did you get into it and stuff like that. And from that, um, you know, sometimes the podcast will come up and stuff like that. Um, so I think, I'm very surprised with. I've never gotten the uh, like, what are you talking about reaction? Or, and I've never even been dismissed before. And always, the reaction I always get, always get is, tell me more, or that's super interesting, or wow. And, you know, and, and my self effacing humor comes into play too, because I'll be like, I am like, I am the geekiest, geekiest I've ever geeked, you know, and that, you know, and I, you know, so I set the, I set the table before I get into it with them, but, um, the person who gets it the least is my wife and like she has no interest in this stuff. She'll play some board games with me, but that's an act of pure love on her part. Um, she's just not a gamer. And, um, what I'm lucky is that she, but she does know what it means to me. Um, and she has interests that I'm like, whatever. Um, but I love that she does it right. So we appreciate and love the passion each other has for some of our hobbies, but there's basically no overlap in hobbies with her and I. Um, uh, so she's the one that gets it the least. Um, and in fact, one time I tried to play uh, magical kitties with uh, Cecilia who loves role playing games. Uh, my daughter, she's nine years old and my wife um, I was just like, honey, just come sit with us and like, come on, just try it out. And she was so put off and so uncomfortable and had zero, even f- out of love for her husband and daughter. She's like, get me the frack away from this table right now. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and my daughter and I just ended up doing one-on-one with it. But um, yeah, so I, I think that that that's kind of funny, I guess. Um, and nobody's nobody has turned it off. Um, nobody's turned it off. Um, I do have and this kind of is adjacent to it um i did lose a friendship through it though um and it was somebody who was a gaming friend of mine and when i started third floor wars and um like started doing stuff with it like things got weird with this person and my only guess, and I just recently about a year ago had a brush in with this person. The only thing I can put together is I think I, in, I think I unintentionally hurt their feelings that I didn't involve them in third floor wars. Um, and I think, um, I don't know what happened, but it was kind of the, the centerpiece I figured out that this was that kind of ended that friendship, which, which sucks. Um,
1: but, that's probably the probably the bigger surprise of it well cool well, now that we've uh, had that lovely downer yeah right my uh, wife hates this and so. i lost
0: friends doing this so i hope you guys are real proud yeah. of yourself <laughs> cool
1: Craig, thanks thanks for continuing to do this despite the destruction of your personal life <laughs> uh on a slightly lighter topic uh sonic asks do you remember your first session as a gm and what happened
0: i do I do remember my first session as a GM. And this is why I delight when I ask this question of my guests, because it's amazing how they can go back in time and be in that moment and talk about that moment. And I phrased that question very specifically to get them there. Right. Um, I was 11. Corey, who's the oldest of my brothers would have been. See, if I was 11, he would have been seven. No, he would have been six. Holy Christ. And it was his friend who was also six, and I had not. I would. I was into fantasy novels, uh, reading, reading everything Howard wrote, uh, just devouring Conan, and saw Red Box Mulvey on the shelf at Walden Books. Bought it, having no idea what I bought. Took it home, opened it up like I have no idea what the hell this is. Um, sad with it. Sad with it. Sad with it. And I ran and and there's people listening that will remember this. There's an adventure in the back of the red box where you take your party into a cave. And the first thing that you encounter is this big ass centipede. Um, And I remember like like figuring out role playing at that moment. And I can I can see the kitchen table where we were sitting. I can see my brother at six and seven years old. I can see his friend at six or seven years old. And I remember finishing that session and it took us like four hours to get through one encounter. Um, actually D and is still the same. Um, uh, it took us <laughs> like four hours to get through that one encounter. And I remember finishing it at 11 and, and walking away going, I'm not sure what just happened, but I want to do this and I want to do this a lot and a lot more. Um, and then the other big one is uh, my good friend, Patrick McLean, who's been on the show before, um, uh, I distinctly remember D6, West End Star Wars, uh, him to him and another buddy of mine. There's just three of us. I was running the game and being super original. I put them in a trash compactor Um, and uh, the, the trash compactor monster was grabbing one of the characters. And I kept asking Patrick's character, like I need a perception roll, whatever it was in D6 Star Wars. And he kept failing. And kept, and then the other like, and then the other Patrick, who was the other friend playing, kept getting pulled underwater, and because we didn't know any better, you just rolled for everything. So, and it was a series of like seven failed perception rolls, and it was it became a Benny Hill a comical because he would come up help, 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 and roll for a perception to see if you can see, you know, him. Nope, gets pulled back under and stuff like that. And again, moments that I remember like they were yesterday.
1: I have my share. Of yeah, I'm ours. sure.
2: <laughs> Nathan, maybe Dave's. Uh, asks who are your biggest GM style influences
0: probably the most recent big influence for me Jared Jared Logan from stream of blood Um, so Jared is he's been on the show Um, if you've not watched stream of blood you got to go even if you just go watch his blades games um, his work with blades in the dark is is incredible um uh and you can actually hear John and I talked about Jared um on the most recent interview I did with with John. Um so Jared's a stand-up comedian, but uh he was a GM long before he was a stand-up comedian. Jared, I realized a few things with watching Jared was uh how important timing is, um, being comfortable saying nothing. So how powerful silence can be at the table. Um and that it's okay to go a little over the top. Uh, I think I was far more reserved as a GM until I watched Jared Logan. I don't go as far as Jared. I don't think only Jared can go as far as Jared goes. But um, he, a lot, he I felt freed by watching him GM to let me um, be more, uh, like get more in character than I normally would with an NPC and, and things like that. Um, uh, uh, Anthony Boyd, uh, RuneSlinger. Um, another fantastic YouTube channel. If you don't, um, do it, I think I consider Anthony, uh, of what, w- one of the, one of the better thinkers out there about role-playing games. Um, I learned a lot by watching Anthony more talk about jamming than just GMing. Um, there is a layer that, that Anthony thinks about games that I never thought about before and he gets my wheels turning. And, um, because of him, the theory behind how I run games has changed considerably. He's had a huge influence on how I run games.
2: So if, if I recall though, um, early on (laughs) in your career, you
0: dabbled with stage magic, Right. Yeah, I don't remember and talking about that before. <laughs> so I didn't dabble I, with it. I yeah. made a living at it. Not stage no, uh, magic. Really? Yeah, it was, so, wow. so it was close did, up
2: magic. Did that well, especially close up. Wow, that's brave. Uh how about that? Did that influence or your because all all knowledge practice is received, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, no. The, did that have any influence? So imagine how much I get into RPGs. That's how I got into ma- how much I got into magic. I, I found ma- like sleight of hand magic and dove in. Um, I still to this day have probably four times as many books on magic than I do RPGs. And the amount of RPGs I own is disgusting. Um, uh, Every layer of sleight of hand magic just fascinates me Um, to this day even though i don't consider myself somebody who does it anymore every once in a while i'll pick up a deck of cards and mess around but um i discovered that in college uh fell in love with it um i'd like to think i got pretty good at it um but what's interesting about it for me is that's where i learned how to be in front of people right and how to perform um And because it's an interactive art, it's not you don't just put on a show with close up magic. It's very much an interactive thing. It's very much a um, a a management right Uh, of of things, because, you know, with close up magic, it's uh, you have to manage the audience, because if you don't, you're going to ruin everything. So you learn how to manage your audience. Um, so not only did I learn, not only do you see that in, as far as me GMing, because uh, that's definitely there, but more importantly, um, I have, I think my ability to manage clients, I think my client interaction, what allows me to get in front of 10,000 people and speak at conferences, all of that is because of magic. Um, and, you know, I had, you know, I had a, what, 15 years of my career was spent, um, you know, public speaking. You know, teaching, being a public speaker at conferences, teaching other people how to how to be public speakers and things like that—all of that can be traced right back to, to to being a magician.
1: Now, I didn't know that about you, Craig. Sorry that it just it tells me a lot because one of the things that is crucial to magic is being able to direct attention where you want it to be. And that is something that you are super good at as a <laughs> GM. And that makes a lot of sense now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Misdirection is the worst word in magic because there is no such thing as misdirection. The secret to magic is direction, not misdirection. Yep. So good, good call.
2: So, but what about now to follow up a second time, yeah. uh, Patrick, Patrick, uh is a novelist. Yeah. Right. So uh and you guys go way back. So way back. That, we met when we were does, since we we're 15. Sort of
0: influence you his his nearer narrative style? Oh no question. Um so Patrick and I, our first our friendship started and was built on a love of storytelling. Um so he and I have created shitty comic books together. We have written shitty stories together, um, we played games together. Um very often we bounce things off to this day. Um he'll Say, Craig, I'm stuck here, and uh, he just needs to talk through it with me, right? And I do the same thing with him with a lot of the GM stuff that I do. Um, the Vason thing that uh, I'm running right now, like that's like 30 percent Patrick, uh, because I I knew what I wanted to do with the Vason adventure. But I gotten pretty stuck and he saved me and and got me out of. I had been kept digging this hole thinking I was gonna hit water. And he has a gr- you know, after you know 30 years of friendship, he's able to grab the back of my neck and pull me back out and put me back on the right hole. Um, and then he has also helped me a ton with this Brindlewood Bay stuff I'm working on. But yeah, um, Patrick and I are very different people. Um, and uh, but he's also one of the smartest human beings I know to this day. But he and I do connect and align and have a huge overlap in storytelling. He's a much better storyteller. I mean, he makes a living as a storyteller. Um, but we we both get stories. Um, and even though he makes a living at it and he's considerably better at it than I am, at a fundamental level, we have just so much agreement on what a good story is and what it takes to tell a good story. So, yeah, he's a huge influence on me as a GM. No question. Is that where you get your beats from? You're sort of this innate
2: knowledge of when to drop those beats that you have that you're so good at Andrew, oh, thank you. Things are
0: impeccably timed. Shh. i think that that is just the fact that i uh i think probably you know what the biggest influence on that is is working at a video store in high school like like quentin tarantino same thing uh, kevin smith all of those people were dorks like me who worked at a video store and what that meant is that you went home every night with three movies under your arm because they were free and like in high school, in college, I watched so many movies. Um, I think that that more than anything, Connell, is the, is the influence on me and how I understand that. I think it's just because I have watched a disgusting amount of movies <laughs> and have a passion and love for 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 movies
1: and, and for now prestige television as well. All right. So we got another one here from uh, from Nick Louie. Everyone's favorite, uh, who asks, what is the TTRPG game system you've been brainstorming or brainstorming a hack for? I this tickles me and this tickles me because it is a question
0: that has started coming up in the last six to eight months where I've had people asking me, you know, when are you going to make a game or, you know, have you worked on a hack and stuff like that? Um, And honestly, Brian, I have no interest in making a game at all. At all. And I think it's a combination of a few things. One, um, I've never had an interest in making a mini games when I was into mini games. Um, I never created my own magic when I was a magician. Um, I uh have played a lot of board games and card games, never had an interest in making those. Um, there's so much available that I'm just like, I I I think I like here's a good example with the battle reports and with the actual plays. I saw a hole. Right. Like nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing this with battle reports for mini games. Nobody's doing this with their actual plays. And then I'll go there. Right. And think if I'm and I'm I'm arrogant enough to think that I can fill that hole. Right. With game design, I have not seen a hole, Uh, especially in the RPG space. Like there's just it's all being done right now um, by really, really talented people. And I just want to take it all in. Um, So uh yeah i have no hack in mind um every time i think of something like i wish uh this would be kind of fun to play as a game i go out and find that there's 50 games (laughs) that i could (laughs) use to you know run that type of story so but it's very funny to me brian because like it has been literally in the last like eight months where like that has started to come up where i've had people starting to ask
1: me that question um i think gaming is starting to reach the level where you know like it's in hollywood everyone has a screenplay. Right? <laughs> i think the assumption is that everyone's act, who's active in the gaming space must have a game under their belt and there is some truth behind that
2: <laughs> cerulean five asks uh you like many others dropped out of a hobby and returned a while later uh how do you feel about that pros and cons i guess pros and cons of coming back as a
0: I think, more mature adult than when you gave it up? Well, the cons is obvious, which I miss. I miss 25 years of playing games. Right. Um, Now, the good news is, is that the years I didn't play games were probably only like five or six years uh, because, um, you know, I got into Warhammer 40K. um, So after college, I stopped gaming. And then there was like five or six years where I didn't do any gaming um, and then found Warhammer 40K, which introduced me to mini games got way into mini games for a while Um, during in parallel to that I found board games and you know they're amazing Um, someone should do a good podcast about board games at some point don't you think Brian Um, that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) Um. so that's that's the obvious thing right is I there's 20 20 25 years of not playing RPGs that, that 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 I'm sad about what's been cool about it though is um i think my perspective is unique um though i'm not the only one who's done that it's allowed me to have some very interesting fresh eyes seeing that that before and after um and there was an entire revolution that happened while i was gone and it's been a lot of fun coming back to um the podcast has let me learn what i missed and um i'm like really happy with where rpgs as a hobbies are now um it's incredible where they where it is now so i think the pros though is it gives me it, it gives me i think a fresh insight because i did it didn't happen organically it happened overnight for me um which i think gives a bit of a fresh insight um i am there's no way 18 year old craig would get on and run a game for you know, hundreds of people to watch that would never have happened. I never ha- would have had the confidence back then to do that. So, you know, obviously being older, um, has allowed me to feel f- again, I don't give a shit. Right. Um, it's allowed, allowed me to do that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, um, and the process is that I got to find it again. Um, cause that just kind of happened and it's brought me so much joy in the last two, three years. Um, both as a player, as a GM, flexing those creative muscles, um, learning things auxiliary. You know, we talked about the process. There's a lot of fun things that I've learned how to do that I enjoy doing with that. Most importantly, I have found yet another community of human beings that I just love. Um, It um, that's been probably the coolest piece is that I've just found a really, really incredible group of people, both as from the design perspective um the publishers that i've made friends with like just incredible human beings there but more importantly like just the people that have a passion for this hobby um and just like every community there's a bunch of shitheads out there but they're easy enough to ignore but like i consider the friendships of the two of you right this is this is through gaming that i've met
1: some really like people that are important to me um and that's like how cool is that right and if you ever if you ever feel bad about the time you missed, Craig, um, just bear in mind Sturgeon's Law. You know, the whole 90% of everything is crap. Yeah. There was a lot of really <laughs> bad games released during that period I'm when sure. we were out. And they have all disappeared into the flotsam of history. And now just the good stuff has survived. So oh, you really, really made the right choice. <laughs>
0: it's like how when we look back on like oh they don't make movies like they did in the 80s I'm like no I grew up in the 80s they made a lot of terrible movies in the 80s <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so the next question is by some dingus that calls himself old slow tiger Oh God! Um, he says yeah this guy just won't go away he, won't. Uh, he says we all have that game that's been sitting on the shelf for years or decades in my case that you've never gotten to play or run despite your best efforts what is yours
0: there's a lot. Um, but you want to know the one I can't shake yet. And it's funny because there's a lot of reasons why I should have should have shook it. I think I have got a really good, really good game of 2D20 Star Trek in me. Um, and what's funny about that is that I liked but didn't love 2D20 when I ran it with Octon Cthulhu. Um, though I ended up kind of figuring it out like in the last session, which is too late. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why I need to go back to it because I think that's a, 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 a a me problem, not a 2d 20 problem. Um, there is, there's, there's some mechanics in 2d 20 star Trek that fascinate me. Uh, like one of them is, is that, uh, like within literally within a minute, you can roll up a red shirt and the reason you do that is because like your main character might be the captain of the ship and you know there's going to be an away mission well the captain's not going to go on the away mission so there's a mechanic in there for you to quickly roll up a red shirt so that you can go on the away mission um and you know everybody will ha- and then you get to decide if that red shirt becomes like a named care NPC going forward, that the GM then will take over in your stead and stuff like that. there's there's some really interesting concepts there that that harkens to things like um uh Pendragon, right? That harkens to things like Ars Magica, that 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 harkens to things like um uh oh god, what's the name of the the, the system, uh the Gothic horror system? Uh, not, um chill no. no it's the one that runeslinger loves and writes for um oh i of so bad with names this is why editing's great um <laughs> oh, what is the name Not, is it cult no, no though that's a game that's that's piqued my interest um mm. i need to dig and, and the reason it's piqued, that Cult has piqued my interest is people who i respect love cult and my first take on Cult, it, it was 290s Edgelord for me. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't. But there's been enough people that are like, yeah, Craig, trust me. Like, there's a game in there that I, I need to give Cult a run. Um, oh, Leagues, Leagues of Adventure. Uh, Leagues of Adventure is the system. And Leagues of Adventure, um, so like Leagues of Cthulhu and all the different Leagues games, you have um, a second character who is an NPC that you can revert to but they're, they're almost like a pet or a companion almost. So they're going to be, they're not going to be at the hero level. You are, they're a minor character. Um, And getting a chance to play, um, I played with Anthony, um, uh, uh, Leagues of Cthulhu and got to see that in action. And we played, uh, it was a a hillbilly horror. uh, And um, we were like this family of uh, bootleggers And I had my character and then I had a cousin who is the secondary character and watching I seeing that in play where I could shift to a character, play that character live in first person, come back to my main and Anthony takes over that character as the GM. It was very, very interesting um, to me. So Leagues of Adventure, uh, uh, Star Trek. But the other thing about the Star Trek thing is um, I haven't figured out what I would what story I would tell because there's a lot of different versions of star Trek. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and some of them, the captain goes on away missions all the time. Right. You know, and, and, you know, just looking at the two big shows, right. The original series and star Trek to the next generation, there's huge difference between those from a style perspective and things. Um, Uh, So, you know, then you get a deep space nine. Like there's some really interesting things to do in the Star Trek universe, and I've never played there before. So I think that's the game that that just keeps echoing in the back of my head. And if if, and maybe it'll come forward and maybe I'll do it. I don't know. Um, The other one I've got in my head that may never come out, but keeps like talking to me back here. And I just backed I I bought all of the material for and then they did a Kickstarter for the new edition. So then I backed that of course is as paranoia. So oh, yes. I play paranoia. Oh, so good. I, I played it, you know, back when it was the, the hotness, right. When I was in college and paranoia is by design, this, this comical game, right. And you can have a lot of really let a goofy, just let it all out. Funny thing. Your character dies, but it's a clone. So it doesn't matter. and, and there's a just a, a whole level of comedy there, but somewhere, I have got a very dark paranoia game in me because I think there's a version of paranoia that I want to run that is far more akin to Logan's Run. That because the, what's really hap- if you take a step back and like some it, it, someone explain paranoia to you without the comedy, you're like that's some dark shit, um, and. I think I want to try a serious game of paranoia. Um, we'll, we'll see if I've got I, I, it in me.
1: I love the idea, and I love this. I just don't know if the paranoia rule set is right for that. That's I mean, very possible. Do something else in that setting. Yeah. But I, I don't know how well it's it's The system matters, it. right, Brian?
0: <laughs> I'm interested in finding out. And, and like I said, it may never happen. And the Star Trek game may, may never happen because one of the things, that I've talked about it before, I think, on the show is, the way people ask me like, how do you pick your next game? And there's always a bunch of games back here in the back of my head, but somehow some games come forward and I can see myself running the game. Um, and that's when, it, that's when I'm ready is when I've run the game in my head. And I don't know how else to explain that to somebody, but like just something clicks and then suddenly I can see the game, um, like Knights Black Agents. I've been wanting to run that for a very long time. And then I, uh, I read, read, you know, read an adventure in there and then I could see it. I could see me running that adventure and that's when I reached out to Zoe and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I know how I'm going to run this game. Um, but it ha- that has to happen first and that hasn't happened with Paranoia yet. That hasn't happened with uh, Star Trek Adventures. Well, Maeve asked the question, sort of
2: taking this from an, the opposite direction. What game have you always wanted to play but you can't convince a... Uh, a group to run it or someone else to run it.
0: I want to play kids on bikes um, slash tales of the loop tales from the loop. Um, I want to play as a kid, teenager, middle schooler in, in that kind of ET stranger things type setting, right? Which kids and kids on bikes and tales of the loop for, I want to play in that. Um, I have yet to figure out kids on bikes to be able to run it in the same talking about the same thing. I just got done talking about, I think I've got Tales for the loop ready in my head. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to probably see that at some point. Um, but, um, I'm very interested to, I've never played a 12 year old kid before. Um, and what's interesting to me about that, Connell is that, um, that's a very interesting time in my life. Um, who I was at 12 is very different than who I am now. And I am a firm believer that there's something very cathartic and therapeutic about role-playing games. Um, So I'm also amateur therapist who's in therapy. I also think that I could find things a joy
1: in going back there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Um. Silent Pete wants to know your biggest gaming regret, which may include backing Kickstarters. <laughs> biggest um your biggest your biggest uh
2: time being <laughs> Uh
0: So this turned out to be a huge regret that ended up not being a regret, and that was backing the all-in for Gloomhaven. Mm. Um so I backed it. Got a disgusting amount of cardboard knew it was a good game because again people that i listen to and trust were like like great game never could just get it never could get out of the box when i say never get out of the box it sat up here on the third floor in packing tape literally never opened the box for years well i mean it's
1: it's literally a day and a half of unpunching right and right sorting
0: and and and, and, and I just don't have the time for that type of commitment to be to be able to play it. Right. Um, so that I just sat here and sat here and and um so it was a it was a bad regret for a while and had nothing to do with the money. It had to do with the fact that I know, given the time for me and for the other people, that it would be an amazing every Saturday morning, we're gonna, you know, grab a grab a dozen donuts and some coffee, and we're gonna spend three hours playing Gloomhaven every Saturday morning, which I just don't have the time for anymore so that that's that's why it was the regret it was not the money i spent on it but when it turned where it turned out to not be a regret anymore is uh brett formerly of gaming and bs he and his kids uh go hunting uh, and they have a hunting cabin up there and why the fuck do you live that far north wisconsin um and uh when they're they go hunting during the day and at night like they play like talesmen and play D&D together and stuff. And Brett is another person who has become a friend um, who's just like just a solid human being, right? Um, And he was posting, you know, like, hey, kid and I are breaking out hero quest or kid and I are breaking out Talesman and stuff like that. And just offhandedly, I said, if I send you Gloomhaven, would you play it? And and he's like, dude, I, I, I he goes, I, I really don't have the money. I'm like, dude, no, I'm not saying, do you want to buy Gloomhaven? like I'm going to ship you the motherfucking thing uh, under one circumstance which is that you will open it up and you will play it and then seeing pictures of him and his kid with Gloomhaven on the table at the cabin playing it like worth every dime no longer regret made me super happy because it's a game that he never would have bought and just seeing a father and son and um uh his kids playing it at the cabin in the woods just made me super happy.
1: Um, so, just I'm going to throw this out there uh-oh. because I'm a board game person and I love you, Craig. I, I get not being able to commit to the board, the Gloomhaven cardboard experience. That is that is a real thing. But I will tell you that the digital implementation of the game on Steam is excellent. So I've heard. And if you think that. you would like to explore the game. I recommend it highly. So I've heard. I will. I will join you in the campaign. That's where I was headed. So I've heard
0: that. (laughs) And I would do it with you and a couple other people in a heartbeat in an absolute heartbeat. So if you ever want to do that, let me know. I will buy it on steam anytime Anytime you want, man. Anytime you enjoy doing that. Thoroughly enjoy doing that. So, uh, yeah, you just let me know. You just let me know. I'd love to do that. Consider yourself letting out. And just don't let, just don't tell (laughs)
2: Connell. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I like the. You know. I love the idea of Gloomhaven. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. Exactly. <laughs> I just. Oh man. Um. So Nick Louis, uh asks. Uh. So what's a what's an RPG property that you say that you think needs another look? Uh. Either because it it hasn't got enough uh, visibility behind it or uh maybe the uh the Im- the impression over the years have changed
0: hmm so there's there's twofold there right because there's there's games that i think are criminally not known as well as they should be um i'm surprised that the Grain gumshoe system is not known or played more um i think it's a fascinating system you want know, to talk about anthony anthony and i could not disagree more about gumshoe he hates gumshoe um and good reasons like his reasons for not liking gumshoe are completely legit um and i think there's like i think trailer cthulhu is really good like i think fear itself is grossly overlooked um uh i think knights black agents is phenomenal um so i'm surprised it's not bigger but that's not like an unknown right um I think Diogo's work, I don't think enough people realize and play enough of his work. I think Diogo, you know, he's putting out small games. Um, when I say small, I mean like, you know, they're zines, right? Um, and he's very well known in in the small OSR group. Like the within the OSR world, people understand just how good Diogo is. And other designers like read anything by him and they're like oh, holy shit like the, they recognize that but um i wish that more more people experience some of his games because every time i've dive, dove into him most recently with primal quest it's stunning it, it, um how good of a designer he is um but that's not really wasn't the heart of the question the heart of the question was like older stuff um, well, i don't know that he specified older stuff more that uh
2: Maybe one's impression for how the game plays can be very different from
0: how the game actually plays, or some or some other reason. I think there's probably a lot of people that have read Forbidden Lands and don't realize what that game is, because I think it plays. Yeah, Brian, it, it plays a lot different was than it one reads. Of those. Yeah. Um. Uh. But for free league is getting the recognition it deserves. Um. Uh. There, the the quality of the stuff being being put out um and and the thing that is amazing to me about free league is um blade runner was was a perfect example of me ordering a game out of sheer love for the company zero interest in the universe zero interest in playing a blade runner game i just i love free league and i want them to make more games and so i backed them and i am now playing in a Blade Runner game uh, that uh, with Anthony and uh, a couple other guys that I've met through Anthony and I'm like you sons of bitches like this is a great game (laughs) like you (laughs) you guys did it again you know it um, it's shocking how good they are doing so you can't really call them out as being underplayed because they're getting the recognition so I think free league is today what White Wolf was in 1990 that is an amazing analogy i could Mm -hmm. could not agree more i think that's a phenomenal phenomenal analogy um like an example i backed the hell out of walking dead and i backed it going no interest in zombie games i've got more than enough games to play zombie stuff in walking dead i stopped watching after like season four um i'm out zombied out the fact that you know i know how good last of us is it's so good that I watched it and loved it. That's how good it is because the mountain <laughs> I climbed over to get to it was really tall. Cause I had like zero interest in that genre anymore. And now I'm starting to read some of the mechanics that they have in play for walking dead. I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like I'm going to play the <laughs> shit out of this game. Cause this is super smart and super clever. The way that they are, the way that they're handling hordes and your encounters and how you handle zombies. I'm like, you son, Oh my God! You sons of guns! Like and and, and do you know what it harkens to? Kind of is um is web world. There's a there's a very interesting web world thing happening with how they're doing zombies in there. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're good. Um, what else is out there that um that doesn't get enough attention that I love? Probably the most the least known game that I have played multiple times on the channel is Fear itself. Um, I I think that's probably the game that I've played the most that is the least known. Um, And the thing uh, that Gareth and Robin did with fear itself is they created what I think is a really great horror movie RPG. Um, And I've tried to explain to people why, because it's more than just gumshoe. There's just something about fear itself that just screams, early to mid nineties horror movies to me. Um, and it just supports that type of gameplay.
2: Well, you know, horror is less is more. Yes. And the gumshoe system just removes all barriers. There's, there's no simulation going, yes. going on. It's just a very sort of, um, I don't, I don't want to say player facing, but it's very much, there's no barrier between mm-hmm. the narrative and the experience where in so many, in the history of RPGs um, is very much the sort of modeling the experience with rules and gum. show a takes to see if it out. scared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why in, I, I'd like to see much more fear itself on third floor wars. I think you have, you have just honed in on what makes that, um, You know, different from a scripted uh, or even even a unscripted horror survival or or, you know episode of uh, TV. So I I really think that's you're right about that. I think that's it needs to be seen more. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, All right, one more game. Um, And they came from the grave um i do not know that yeah so that that's a system that i want to play um oh, and shiver too i want to play shiver damn it um uh and they came from the grave is um a really interesting homage to the vincent price past his prime movies right those late 70s vincent price movies and what's interesting about it is mechanically it's a little clunky it's a little older in its in its mechanics but it's but it but it has built into it a very interesting idea which is you make your characters and they're going to be in the 70s vincent price movie you're going to go to a town and find out the town is cursed and you've got a uncurse the town and survive the curse of the town right like children of the corn type stuff every one of those late 70s movies there was something that happened two centuries before in that same location that caused things to be effed up now and what's neat is built into the system as you go back and forth so you you play in the 70s and then you go back to the 1800s and play the witches that are getting burned at the stake and then you flash forward back. And so like, and so as you encounter things in the, in now you flash back to why those things are existing now. I think there's something really cool going on there. I just can't get my head around it quite yet. Um, But I think I want to run that because I think there's, I think that could be super interesting um, to run. There are specific skills we use when we play a role-playing game. The better we are, the more fun it is for everyone at the table. Karen Twelves and Friends wrote the second edition of Improv for Gamers, so you can level up your play. The book helps you strengthen your storytelling skills, craft more exciting and multifaceted player characters and NPCs, and it also helps you know when and how to end a scene or share the spotlight with other players. The new edition for Improv for Gamers contains over a dozen new exercises, tips from experienced players, storytellers, and GMs, and advice for adapting the lessons for online play, accessibility, and your specific game and group.
1: uh Connell, i'm thinking we may want to swap these last two questions because i think the one i just moved to the bottom is probably a better final question okay so i don't know if you want to go ahead with nathan's or i can do that and okay no let me go ahead with with nathan so
2: nathan might baby dave also asks um and i don't know the reference to this because i haven't listened to the interview but in your interview of what uh you talked about forbidden lands being a game with a uh, lot of discovery on the world that develops by you as by the you i guess the gm as much as the players mm-hmm. uh really surprised me is forbidden lands not the heavily laid out game world that it was built to be
0: so what i mean by that dave is that and, and this is this is less to do with forbidden lands and more to do with the deli- design philosophy behind forbidden lands so So you have the Raven's Purge, right, which is what what Brian is going through now is Sten. And it is unlike any campaign I've ever seen before, because and, and so most campaigns that I've ever come across were at best plot point usually a lot more than that, where they're like, you know, here's the first act, right? Where you're all, we're going to, you know, give all your players the, everything's going on. And then second act, things are going to go to shit. And then third act, you know, they're, they're going to be the saviors. What Forbidden Lands does, and we're now seeing it also in their alien game and their Blade Runner game, like they've, they've gone on with us. They do something that I think is very unique right now that I hope catches on, which is here's what's going on. Right. So Ravens Purge is this is what happened. This is what's happening right now. And it goes and at a macro level, there's this huge thing that's happening in Forbidden Lands Ravens Purge. Right. And then it then and then it micros down to the adventure sites where these adventure sites are presented as here's everybody who's in this adventure site. Here's all the shit's going on here. Right. No mention of players no mention of of plot or anything like that it's just this is what's happening um and then it even goes down to the encounters at the at the random encounter level the random encounters are like this is what's happening and then they say and it's almost implicit they're like so drop your agents of chaos the players into this encounter and see what happens drop them into this adventure site see what happens drop them into the raven's purge overarching this is what's going on in this world right now and see what happens um and it's so non-story driven there there's there's no story in raven's purge there is no the heroes are going to encounter this then the heroes are going to do this and then the heroes are going to go to here and then they're going to discover this so what, what I mean when I said that in my interview with Watt is, yeah, I've got all of that stuff. I know what's happening in this world that, that Brian and the other and Dave, who's the one who asked the question, uh, that they're all playing in. Um, and I'm discovering and in some ways defining it as we play. Um, I mean, we're 25 sessions into, into Raven's Purge right now and they are just getting a whiff of what's happening in this world. Um and this Great. is a testament to the table and of the game and we're having a blast, right? <laughs> so we 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 di- we didn't need this epic overarching story of this and that like um the stuff that has happened in these 25 episodes of Forbidden Lands, I never would have anticipated they have been significant. They have been impactful to me as a player um it, at the table. Um, I mean, and I, <laughs> I I laugh at myself every time I say this because like I like the next episode, like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Brian and the and the three other players are going to do. And quite frankly, Connell, kind of, I'm not sure they do. And, and that's happened. We do not. Yeah, that's happened so many times in these twenty-five episodes, and yet where we go and where we end up, it, it has been incredible. And it's why I'm a firm believer, and this is something that I've picked up from Anthony. I'm a firm believer that story just happens in these games. So stop it. Stop trying to plan for story. Try stop trying to impose story. The the character arcs that we've seen in these four characters. Are, are are nothing short of incredible and, and, and unique but still tied to each other um like like sten's going through some shit right <laughs> but so is nate's character so is vasilla so is osric in all very different ways but they're happening together and the thing that i'm happiest about as a gm is that one i've got a strong table with strong players so like that that makes my job easy but um. I'm also proud of my ability to listen and follow them. Um, And I've been doing a good job of doing that Jared technique of laying track, just one, (laughs) just ahead of them as they, as the train goes down the tracks. Um, But yeah, if you're not watching forbidden lands, like I'm telling you, it's, it is a really neat thing that's happening. It's a little bit of magic that's happening. Um, And I think these next five episodes, like I'm so excited and 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 how
1: and I'm so excited, and I have no idea what's gonna happen, no idea where they're gonna go <laughs> that's that's amazing so yeah and just to to throw in on there, and this is this is you know more about me than it is about you so so feel free to cut it out of the episode but one of the things thanks that so I've much really guys for listening of, um <laughs> <laughs> I do have another actual question to ask you, but I was just gonna say one of the things that I've really enjoyed about forbidden lands and the stuff I've done on the channel regardless, is I've been playing RPGs with a lot of the same people for a long time. And, you know, we have a certain level of comfort and nobody ever really gets deep into character motivations. And one of the things I really like about playing on the Third Floor Wars channel is that we don't need to feel obligated to do any of that stuff, but if we want to go that way, it's totally cool and everybody's down with it. And it's, it's a different experience for me and I love it.
0: Well, and, and, and yeah, I completely agree, Brian. And what's neat about it is we have, we, we flex in and out of there, right? Like there's times mm-hmm. where we get wicked RP, right? And really kind of get into d- some deep shit. There's other times where we just kind of pull back a little bit and just play at a different level a bit. And, and the table has a really neat chemistry about it because we, we've all kind of done that together. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a situation where any of the five of us are at a different point on that spectrum at any moment. Um, and we, and I think also, we've also been very good about inspiring each other, right? I think there's times where one player will go, this is where, yeah, this is where I want to go right now. And everybody's like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go to that level of, of gameplay right now. And, um, other times where it doesn't, and, and we'd also, and, and we take it for granted, Brian, we go we go meta very quickly and come right. We go up and down the meta, the meta spectrum, the vertical, not just the horizontal, very, mm-hmm. very easily together um, and, and are able to have those sophisticated views of the game without hurting the game in that process, which is which is no small thing.
1: Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I do not take that for granted because I do not get that many other places. Yeah, we have picked I am up a not known
2: wicked, as, a, as a sentimental person. But there are uh, two or three moments in the 25 episodes where, uh, usually involving Stin, funnily <laughs> enough, to oh, plug wow. my, uh, my co host here, that has brought tears to my eyes. Uh, this one moment with uh, Stin and Bacillus that, that really, I, mean, I believe it's when Dave is, is taking her over, uh, really is just, I think, one of the greatest moments not just of role-playing, I mean, of just real drama uh, that I've, as a viewer, watched and experienced. I mean, so it's, uh, you talk about the, the verticality of it. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, what are the two other moments? I gotta hear this. <laughs> oh, now I gotta think about it. Um, but yeah, it, it, I do find that Brian's spin, uh gets into these moments where it, uh, the, the pathos just sort of, you know, leaps off of uh, or across the stream, and,
0: and you know,
2: it's his voice, Brian. It's yeah, your voice, and, it just draws you in. <laughs> and,
0: and as a rule, I don't usually like saying nice things about Brian when Brian's around, but um, Brian's experience in the hobby shows in that game. Um, Brian has done a very good job fathering the other three players and not because of his age because of his experience right um brian is very agile he can meet them where they are um more than once has inspired the other three players um we have a huge spectrum of of experience at the table right so nate's played a good bit of rpgs dave's played a good bunch jim is still relatively new to the hobby um so you know brian has done a very good job being the paternal and I don't mean it in a overlording way, but just he's the guy that's done this for a long time. Um, and and it also helps that I think that his character is also a paternal figure in the party as well. Um, but at the same time I have seen all three, I've seen Jim, I've seen Dave and I've seen Nate catch Brian off guard in a wonderful way. Um, and again because of brian's experience he can meet them there as soon as they go there brian's like all right let's go let's do this i love this you know um but you know i i was i think it was on another podcast somebody asked me about this and this has become my greatest role-playing experience and my entire role-playing career has been this table um and that has just been a sheer combination of the right table and the right system um and you know that it wouldn't I don't think it would have been this good with a different game and it definitely would not have been this good with diff, with a different set of
1: players. I think it might have been that good, but it would have been different. But anyway, yeah, thank you very yeah, much. For, enough about me. Um, although I feel like you've been cheating and reading ahead on the questions because the last one on the list here is what is one of your favorite RPG moments? I haven't had one. OK. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Forbidden Lands, obviously. Um, but let me think. Yeah. Um, so I think um and, and and so the favorites tough because there's different f- favorites for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? I think total table chemistry, nothing has has met forbidden lands. Um, but there's been close. Like I think the mothership group I had, we had something really special happening there as a table, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That transcended the game and everything and transcended each of us as individuals. Um but there has, I think, um, one of the most recent, really magical things that is that, that is happening right now, and it's also one of the least viewed on the channel, which is fine. Um, but I, I, for me, it makes me sad a little bit because I think I think it's special, right? And I think it's important. But I think what Zoe and I are doing with Nights Black Agents right now is a big deal. Um, yeah, I think it's amazing. been a big deal for her and for me um, her and I have found, uh, a, a, an overlap in play where like, she's a very different GM than I am. Um, and her and I don't really know each other that other than the two sessions of seven C's that we played together. And that I listened to her podcast. I don't even think she listens to mine. Um, but, um, her and I just somehow have found this really interesting common ground. And I want to take credit for recognizing that, like when, and when I was playing with her in 7C, I was just like, I need to run the game for her, not for her and three other people. I need to run it like I just knew that I wanted to do one on one with her and like the, it, what, what we're doing, I think right now in our in our one GM, one player, nice black agents is really good. And we're playing again a week from tonight and I was prepping for, uh, kind of, I went back and watched the last episode and, and have kind of like went into my notes and figured out because there's, we're not way off book and there's several different ways things can go. Um, and I like, I like going back and watching it. I'm like, this is some cool shit. Like, like she's, she is digging it. I am digging it. Um, so, I that has become recently a big one. And my first experience doing that one-on-one gaming was with Nick Westbrook with Mask of Desire. I had a ton of fun doing that with him. I really enjoyed that. What other what are have been some other highlights? Um God, I've been playing so many games. Um, I had fun playing Babies and Broadswords. Um, <laughs> that was a good time. Uh, because it because it was just pure like lean in don't give a crap um but uh, uh he ran a great game um and uh if you have not watched the last episode of that he did something at the end there that was that was pretty cool um uh but mark my words and i know people who are close to me are tired of hearing this Brinderwood bay is gonna be the best thing that's come out of third floor wars wow I'm, I'm there's, so excited at how excited you are for it. Yeah, um, it, 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 I can, I've got the perfect cast. I think I've got the perfect game for not perfect because it's a perfect game, but the perfect game for right now for us, for me. And I just, I've got this gut feeling That something really special is going to happen with Brenda Wood Bay with 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 these players, Um, and I hope I'm right um, because the cast is just all star cast. And um, I think what Jason has created with Brenda Wood Bay is is super special. I'm going to run it differently than Jason does, and it either could be awesome or it could be. There's a reason that Jason runs with the way he does, (laughs) and don't run it the way Craig thinks he's going to run it.
1: But um, I'm I'm really silly excited about you can't wait to see it so that's that's all the questions we had um thanks to everybody on the uh on the discord for submitting those um you know everybody loves to talk about themselves but we've we've been able to force craig to do it for almost two hours now so that's pretty cool um connell you have anything else you want to ask the man while we got him here no
2: uh i managed to sneak mine in a few questions ago i think i piggybacked <laughs> yeah. on uh and nathan, nathan
1: yeah excellent excellent um so i guess for me the only other thing i want to say is uh thank you craig because um you know like i said I, I started following you with uh you know in in the malifaux world and while i've been role-playing more or less consistently even during the time you were dropping out you've kind of Refreshed things for me, oh, you know. Me and happy. to some extent, it may just be you know that I'm playing with a different group of people, which always brings yep. things out. But you have built a strong and positive community, and you are leading by example in an amazing way. And I can't wait to see what you do next.
0: That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, well, uh, you know, when I reached out to the two of you, uh, there's only you guys were the first two people that I wanted to, to, to do this with when I came up with the idea and, um, I cherish the two of you as friends. Um, but m- bigger, like I, I can't tell you like when I see the interactions on the discord, when I see the comments on the videos, um, when I just, people send me stuff like I, it, it you know, going back to a question that was asked earlier, like, um, how do, when do you think like you've made it? Um, I think I think if I can keep bringing really cool people together, which was not a goal of third floor wars, <laughs> it's just kind of happened organically. Um, like there's it's really, really cool. It's really, really cool The support that we've seen on the discord. Um, the quality of interactions on the discord. Honestly, um, and Connell, you've been, uh, a spearhead of this as well as you, Brian, when you're not playing, and I think there are a couple of games you're not playing in on the channel right now. Um, <laughs> but like the, I love the interactions while we play the live watches together, um, and the sense of community that happens there, um, ha- has, has been really neat. And like the friends that the three of us have made in the community, and we've never met these people. Like we couldn't even tell you their real names, you know, and, and that's cool uh that's cool awesome it's fun to so cheer in we were- twitch oh,
2: yeah, it is <laughs> no fun. it's just it's fun to cheer in twitch
1: you it's, know a, exactly. it's, it's it's
2: fun to to, to do the pop
0: <laughs> uh i'm not gonna let you get away without plugging brian oh no i was gonna ask you if you had something you wanted to plug no nope, I, <laughs> I want i want i want you to plug your stuff and then i want connell to think about Either something he's involved in or something that he loves that he he can plug. But you start, Brian.
1: Well, okay. As those of you who have have watched the Forbidden Stream before will know, uh, I co-host a monthly board game podcast called The Ascent of Board Games, like The Ascent of Man, only board games. Um, And uh, we put an episode about once a month. Uh, The theoretical thing is that we find a game mechanic or a style of game. We talk about how it's evolved over the years. Mostly it's us arguing with each other about what games we like and why each other are dumb to like the games we like. Uh, But we have a good time. And, uh, you know, if you like board games, you might be interested. But if you like money, don't listen.
0: Because (laughs) I I have been cragged so many times by your stupid podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, our main targets are each other. You're just collateral damage at this point, Greg. collateral damage. But I have found some really good board games because of you guys. Well, I will warn you that this episode that I'm I'm editing for the first of the month here... um, jason mentioned it on the show and by the time he had finished describing it three of the remaining four of us had ordered it oh shit! can't wait to hear it can't wait to hear it look at my guys had way too much fun on the ascension board games it's true they
0: really do and what and i've told this to brian before um and it's getting better and better over time they have each of them have found their own distinct voices and there's enough overlap that they're definitely a cast but there's, they're also their own people, and it's the chemistry that they are finding. And it wasn't like it wasn't there before, but just naturally, um, you listen to the show now versus just even a year ago. And 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 of course, I listen to it a little bit differently as a podcaster. Like it's it's really cool. Like like these guys are starting to really groove now. Like they're really finding your spots, and it's it's a great podcast. Thank you. Uh,
2: I like that they the each of you have your own personality that comes through. I mean, it's not exactly. like I'm listening to four opinions that are the same, you know, uh, they're very usually in the same ballpark, but it's very yep. much that, uh, I, I feel like I'm sitting down with my friends and, and talking exactly. about board games. Excellent. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank I'm you. Kind of you, Connor, what, what, what needs a plug? Oh, support your local ASPCA and humane society. No, Kill shelters. You. Um,
0: they, do tremendous job yeah absolutely yeah good shout out good shout out um all right i gotta do the classic you listen to the whole thing all the way to the end and me brian and connell appreciate you too and hey appreciate everybody that was in the backstage take care we hope you enjoyed this episode Subscribe to Tabletop Talk and share it with your friends. Check out our content on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and stay updated on everything coming from Third Floor. All the links are in the show notes. Take care, Floorheads. Are you still here? Wow. Um, well, the episode is over, but if you're bored, why not go to patreon.com and support the show for as little as a dollar a month? Yeah, you can just scroll down, scroll down and yeah, get the link. It's Patreon that makes this and all of our other content possible. Don't you want to join the other floor heads on the Patreon discord? Anyway. Thanks for sticking around. Take care.
2: Bye.